day, everybody. This is the Jan Arden Podcast. I'm here with my sidekick, Caitlin Green, our engineer, Adam Karsh. We, I'm in Toronto. We're all in Toronto. I'm in my little condo downtown, uh, and I'm very happy to be here. I'm satelliting out of my condo to do all my Ontario tour dates. So the last couple of nights, maybe a few of you listeners have been at the shows in the Maritimes we did. And then I just did two nights at Massey Hall, the brand new Massey Hall. It's so yes. different in there. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's crazy. I was there on Tuesday and Adam, you were there on Wednesday. Yes. And um, also there on Tuesday was, I was there with my husband and two friends, but also Marilyn. Dennis was there and I saw her. I saw Meredith Shaw. Oh, wow. I saw a couple other media people sort of kicking around and everyone talked about number one, how fantastic the show was and number two that the renovation is just beautiful they have all this stained glass in there that apparently has been covered up for 60 or 70 years i think some of it was salvageable but there when you get in there now it looks very cathedral like yes Mm -hmm. uh for any of you that have been to massey shows there used to be these like eight poles that were just terrible sight lines and that if you were unlucky enough to buy uh, seats that sat beside, behind one of these poles, it was a pain in the butt because you were literally leaning one way or the other all night. But it's still a challenging room to play as far as sound goes. Uh, there's sometimes when I'm on stage and I'm just lost in bottom end. I know no one wants to hear this, but uh, <laughs> it's just how you hear. And um, But it's much, much better. The dressing rooms are very posh, mm. a little green, cater- green room, catering room. Uh, you guys probably were in the bar areas, which looked really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Um, I, they had uh, an old guitar of mine in a glass case oh. that oh, wow. I didn't know about. There was a guitar in a case and an original uh, lyric sheet that is on loaner from the National Music Center in Calgary. But when I wandered down there and saw that, I'm like, what the hell is this thing doing here? (laughs) So, but it felt really good to be up in front of people. And uh, it was about one quarter masks, I would say. Hey, guys. I would say like 90% no masks, at least from what I saw. Did you mean when you were seated or just in general? Seated. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. So when people were seated, there were very few people in masks. But when we were, when they were entering and exiting the building, yes. and when they were walking around the common areas, like to the bar or whatever, I noticed quite a few people had masks on. Fair, fair, yeah, yeah. How did you feel being at a live concert? You guys were saying, Adam, that it was your first one, and Caitlin, it's been mm-hmm. the first one you and Kyle have been to. It. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I felt great. It was. Thank you, Jan. Like, I've, if I just may have a. A brief moment. Thank you for a beautiful, wonderful, incredible night. It was just magical. It was the first time that my wife and I, just the two of us, went out and had a date night. We went for a nice dinner. Thank you, Taroni. And then we came and saw the show. You were beautiful and brilliant, and you have an outstanding, incredible voice, and you're absolutely hysterical on stage and the banter. (laughs) Like, thank you. It was just the most magical, wonderful night, and I thank you so much for that. You're so welcome. Listen, if I don't know what the hell I'm doing by now, (laughs) I'm never going to You know, and and it is. It's a lot of fun. I think there's always that polarity. People are still very perplexed by the kind of music that I do, 
which is, you know, kind of personal relationship, introspection, you know, pondering the life itself. And then on the other end of that pendulum swing, I like to make people laugh. I don't know oh. what I like more. <laughs> it's so funny. Because to see them just bending over, like, did she just say what I think she just said? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, to me, that that swing, that... Um, I just, I love seeing it. I love pulling people all the way this way and then like, oh, okay, now we're going to go this way. It's it's joyful to me. It's unusual. Like it's a skill to be able to do both because, and I'm so, I'm, I mean, the friends I was with and then, you know, talking, oh, my hairdresser, Sarah was there too. And she's oh. <laughs> the biggest, she's the biggest fan ever. And we were DMing after the show and we were saying that exact same thing. I was like, it's such a Swiss army knife of skills to be able to say, I'm going to make a joke about rolling my own tampons and then I'm going to break into good mother, which then makes everyone cry. And then you were like roasting all these people who were showing up late coming to the front row, which was amazing. And um, so I think it's that combination that really works and almost helps with the energy during the show. Because I've been to some like sad songy shows, like some of your songs can be kind of sad. And it, you know, it's definitely a vibe and it's not necessarily an undesirable vibe. It's just different. And so when you break it up with this in-between banter and like the way you talk to the band and all that stuff, um, and some of your, you have those great videos that play behind you during some of the songs. And and so I think that's a really fun balance. Like it's it's just it's just nice, and it makes the whole evening feel well rounded. And then you kind of I was like you leave, and I'm like some of my other favorite artists like they barely even talk to the crowd. Like yeah. they don't do any crowd work, and I feel ripped off now. In in hindsight, yeah, I I think it's just something. You know, it stems from a long time ago of playing in the bars. You know, I'd be in these terrible bands in Smithers, BC, and Yellowknife and Churchill, Manitoba, or wherever the heck we were. And we only knew 12 songs. And mm. back in the day, guys, you had four hours. You would do 40 <laughs> minutes and you'd take a break. For, you played from 10 till 2 a.m. That's insane. And that, that was bar bands back in the day. I'm sure it's different now, but the guys would say to me, can you just talk like... Just say something. And literally by 1 a.m., they didn't care if we jammed the blues <laughs> for 17 minutes. And I would make up lyrics to blues mm-hmm. songs. But that's where it came from. And then I would get some laughs. I'd be engaging the wait staff and the people sitting at the table, their little checkered tablecloth, drinking draft beer. And I'd start talking to them. And then it dawned on me that it was something people enjoyed. And those were early days. Like I was Mm -hmm. in early 20s and it never went away. I always thought it's an important part of how I can connect because I did feel apologetic early days. I'm like, my songs are really, they're not really up tempo. I mean, I always joke because at the top of the, the set, I do a couple of pretty peppy songs. And then I'm like, wow, great to get the up tempo stuff out of the way. (laughs) <laughs> I laughed at that one. And yeah. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, the thing I realized is like you have, you, you have a set, you know, obviously you have your musical set, but you have like, it's a, you have a, like, there's a comedy set also. And, um, and it's, it's interesting cause you do pepper in, like I took, I did an open mic night once and, um, but it was the tail end. I know I'm like, well, I, I said Ooh, once. The things we find <laughs> out on this show. Yeah. That's cool. 
And I enjoyed it. It was because I took a stand-up comedy writing class at Second City, which I really liked. I'm a hu- I'm a stand-up addict, like admitted. I just I would fall asleep as a kid watching stand-up comedy. Like I just was my favorite thing. So when I did it, though, I realized, and our teacher said, "You better get a laugh every 15 to 30 seconds. You have to have that built into your writing, and it doesn't have to be a huge laugh. It doesn't have to be a punchline. But if you're not intentionally getting those laughs all the time, you lose the audience every passing 30 seconds that." You you don't have a laugh. And I was watching you and I was like, oh, see, there's a laugh every 15 to 30 seconds. Like that's actually, For like sure. I was. <laughs> she is, she is, she is meeting the criteria. She got them. <laughs> it's, I mean, whether you are aware of it or not, um, it's definitely something that helps with the energy in a room. It definitely does. And I think it makes the music work better for me. And I know what you mean. I went and saw Suzanne Vega in the 90s. It was right after the wave of Luca. My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. Uh, I just love that song. And it was one of those phenomenons phenomenons of, of, of just a hit that goes global. And the, the, um, you know, it was a sad song. It was about a child being abused where he was living and, you know, being in this apartment building. But people were so drawn to it because it was so catchy. But she didn't say one word. I went, sorry, the Jack Singer Concert Hall. You know, I saved my money to go to the show. And thank you. And this next That's time. it? It was so... I was disappointed because I wanted mm-hmm. to know any little morsel about her or if she liked Calgary or, you know, did she go to Banff or not? There was nothing. See, I don't yeah, like I that. I don't like that. I don't, it's not for me. And I'm, I, I love, there's an artist named, or I used to, he's revealed to be incredibly problematic in retrospect, but Ryan Adams and not Brian Adams, Ryan <laughs> Adams, not Summer of 69, Cold Roses, Ryan Adams. Okay. And... I liked him so much that I I went to go see him play in Indianapolis. I saw him play in this little tiny town in upstate New York. Like I would travel to see him. And he was really moody and his songs are really moody. And um, at one point he did a show and this was the one in upstate New York where he broke his wrist and he went on stage in a hoodie and he didn't take his hood down the whole time. And he was just a miserable guy the whole show. Like he didn't give the audience anything. And I'd seen him other shows when he's really enjoying himself and he was very different. But I just thought, what a ripoff. Like, I mean, yeah, we're here to see your music, but like throw out a couple of little pieces of personality because it makes you a bigger fan. Do you know who's also a really good storyteller and talker and good banter? I saw James Taylor about 10, 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. He, and he, but he's a consummate professional. Amazing. And he knows, uh, you know, people that have had those 40, 50-year careers yeah. really do understand. They, they live in a place of gratitude. You know, Ryan, I, I've read lots of things about him. And it's just, it's about privilege and it's about mental health, I would imagine, a little bit plays. For sure. But so um, anyway, I, I'm i just so grateful that people came to the shows. Uh, it was mind-boggling to stand in front of a few thousand people. It has been this last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, the world is absolutely shifting and changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell people's moods are better. Um but wow, what a what a great it brings me so much joy that people can have fun and that they leave and and that I see familiar faces out there. And it meant a lot to me that you guys came. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. We've got a lot of things to talk about today. A lot of things going on in the world. And um, we hope you'll stay with us. Don't go away. 
Welcome back. I am Jan Arden. This is the Jan Arden Show and Podcast. I'm here with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh. We're talking about celebrity encounters. That's what we've swapped into. Uh, last week, here's a little brag uh, coming from me to you. I was in Halifax doing a show, and I had uh, tea with Anne Murray. Whoa. <gasps> come on. And her daughter. Yeah. She was going to come to the show, and she's like, you know, I'm just, I, I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to make it. Um, I'm heading out to wherever she was going. And I was fine. I'm like, oh, my God, of course. Don't even worry about it. You're Anne mm-hmm. Murray. Like, yeah. don't expect to, to sit in a hockey arena and watch, you know. But she came. She met me at the Prince George Hotel. There was absolutely nobody in the lobby. They Everything was closed down. The bar wasn't open. Nothing was open. And Bruce Allen went up to somebody at the front desk. Listen, Anne Murray's going to come here and meet us. And can, can we get something here? Can we get a Coke or something? <laughs> yeah. So they brought us, they brought tea and brought her own water. She goes, I don't <sighs> Yeah, I don't drink coffee. I just drink water. So she okay. had her water, and she looked so fantastic. She's going to be 77 years old. Wow. wow. She's a very quiet Canadian icon. You know, we've had oh. her on the show, and it felt like such a score. And I remember people being like, oh, my God, like Jan's talking to Anne. It's Anne and Jan because she's very under the radar. Yeah. But uh, she came in, and she looks so Anne Murray. Like, her hair is immaculate. She just has a teeny little bit of... Makeup on, maybe no makeup, but she looks so beautiful. Her daughter's beautiful. They just walked in, like, doing their thing. And we had a visit for an hour, and Anne was like, I don't think I've ever sat and talked to you for an hour before, Jen. <laughs> really nice. <laughs> like, she said afterwards. And a couple of weeks ago, like three weeks ago, speaking of James Taylor, um, Jackson Brown has been out with James Taylor on these tours. On some of them. James is using different people. Uh, he was out with Carol King for a while. She's great. Uh, but uh, anyway, so they were coming to Calgary. And it crossed my mind. I'm like, oh, God, I'm on tour. What I wouldn't have done to go see that uh, show. Ring, ring. My phone rings. I don't pick <laughs> it. Did I, did I tell you this story? No. Keep going. So it just said, caller unknown. And I'm so reluctant to pick up that because if you're mm-hmm. in my phone i see your name yes right it's freaking jackson brown that left <gasps> jan it's jackson jackson brown i'm like okay say both your names That's oh my god fine. jackson brown listen you're gonna be in calgary you still in calgary i think you are i think you're in calgary <laughs> coming through yeah james and i are gonna Oh, don't hey, where where are we doing the show, Tom? Where are we doing? Oh. <laughs> we're doing a battle dome. Just wondering if you're around. I'd love to see you. And I'm like, wow. for Jesus' sakes, I don't pick up the phone. It's Jackson. Oh my god! I haven't phoned him back yet. I've just been out here. I'm like, I should phone him back. <laughs> yeah, you should. I haven't phoned him back. What are you Get doing? Get him on the show. <laughs> yeah. I saw him perform once in 1990. Believe it or not, in Cleveland. He is so good. Well, mm-hmm. the nicest person. Uh, I mean, I met him many, many years ago. Uh, he sang on one of my songs on Living Under June, Unloved. Uh, Graham sings his part in the show at night. My guitar okay. player, mm-hmm. Graham Powell, sings Unloved with me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I mean, I've had really great experiences. I've talked about Olivia Newton-John, who I really want to get on this show. Yeah, that'd be she, great. She was so kind. Um, I went and saw her in Vegas. My whole life, I hadn't seen her till like 10 years ago. Like eight or nine years ago, I'd never seen Olivia Newton-John. So I did. I saw her in Vegas. I've seen her a couple of times. I saw her in Nashville. But, I mean, she emails me once in a while. 
mm-hmm. like she'll she'll just pop up and like oh I heard this song of yours and this thing it was really lovely and I, I, she's the nicest person. Bette Midler's feisty and nice. Mm-hmm. I love Bette Midler. I mean, she's just like she's just so Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. I went and saw her in Hello Dolly in, in Broadway before before the world changed. I mean, here's <laughs> freaking seventies. And she's doing Hello, Dolly, which is a big bat to swing at a very big part. She's in almost every scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But I've had great experiences. Leonard Cohen, I'll never forget meeting him. I'll never forget meeting Bob Dylan. Um, you met Bob Dylan? Yeah. he. I opened five shows for him. Oh, my God. In, in the 90s. And he, on the very last show, his assistant came in and said, Bob would like to say hi, if that's okay. I didn't go near him. I didn't want to bother him or anything. It, it's Bob Dylan. So I was just like, I was freaked out. I said, oh, I, I don't need, no, it's okay. I don't, I don't want to be a bother or anything. And the guy's like, no, Bob would like to say hi. Oh he wants God. to do this. <laughs> and you need to follow me down this freaking hallway. So I went in there. There was so much pot in the air. It was a gray <laughs> cloud of wheat. He was, he's tiny. Oh, he is was, he? Powder blue tuxedo with the, the tuxedo frilly shirt and the sleeves. And he had a, an acoustic guitar on his lap. And when I came in the door, he stood up. And the guitar mm. just came off his lap and went bang, 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 bang. So, and he sort of looked at it like, oh man, my guitar <laughs> off my lap. <laughs> and he comes up to me and he goes, Jan. You're a great writer. I love your writing. And I was, and I, 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 I didn't say anything. I was like, I don't know how to. Uh, that's Bob Dylan. I, I just didn't. I couldn't speak, and I, I did eke out. Uh, thank you for having me on the, the show. I don't even know what I said. And then I walked out, and I'm like, you were an idiot. You were the biggest. Loser, oh. and my drummer or something in the band said, "Well, at least he was stoned. Like he probably didn't really remember." And I'm like, "Well, that, that's a bonus." <laughs> he wasn't helping you out with like, a, "No, you were great." He was like, "Well, at least he was really high, so you got that yeah. going for you." <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, I there are a lot of like, I guess just because of of working on the morning show, we've had a lot of celebrities that come through and it's rare that they aren't nice to be honest with you. And when they aren't nice, I think they're just tired. Like they seem like they're tired or hungover. Um, and, and that kind of explains it. It's the small time ones who are the wonkiest. Yes. They're yes. The, it's the like non-celebs who want the most. It's like the people who are on, you know, those like TLC real estate shows they like, oh, oh this, per- <laughs> this person needs you to send them a car. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're like on like what, you know, love it or don't buy it or whatever the heck those shows are. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, you're not getting a, first of all, no one gets a limo, but like also really not you. And right. then don't be kind of miserable about it when you come in. We're like promoting your show for you and it's the number one morning show in Toronto. Go away. And then right. you get... Michael Sarah, he was promoting, I think it was like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. And he was like, he's a big deal, especially in Canada. And um, and he showed up alone. Like I, I got a call from security and they said he's here. And I walked to go get him. And he's there and he's in like a bright orange construction toque. And he's just standing there by himself. I was like, hi, do you want to come in? And then I brought him into the green room and said, do you want us to get you coffee? And I meant like, you know, we'll go, we'll send an intern to get you Starbucks or something. And 
he was like, um, okay, uh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, we'll send her out. He's like, oh, don't send someone out. I was oh. like, well, we, we, I was like, you do not want to drink the coffee here. It's disgusting. Like the coffee maker here is gross. <laughs> Adam, you know, that. from, oh, it's, it's terrible, but it's undrinkable. Sorry. I'm not giving it to Michael Sarah. Right. And he was like, well, let's go see how bad it is. And he <laughs> followed me into the kitchen and w- was like cracking jokes about how bad the coffee maker was, but then still drank it. And he was like, no, no, you can leave me to make it myself. I was like, no, I'll, I'll make it for you. Like it's, it's not, it's, a, it's a weird system. And, uh, and then when he came on the show, he was so lovely. And he said that his parents, he was from, is from the G. TA area, like oh, I think Oakville or something like that, maybe Burlington. And he's like, Oh yeah, we my parents grew up listening to Chum and you guys have beat the bank. And he's like, they're listening right yeah. now and they were so excited. And he was great. Like same with like Joshua Jackson, Jason Siegel, Bill Burr, Kevin Bacon, like Shania Twain. They're so nice. Like, and you don't expect it, but they're great and they're really, really affable and they kind of like give you something to work with. How can people not be nice? How can people actually and, and you, you hear those nightmare celebrity stories all the time. Um, I'm f- very fortunate to not have been disappointed by my idols up mm-hmm. to this. Sean Colvin, I loved her so much. She was such a huge influence on me, like in the 90s. Her, her first record, Steady On, came out in um, 89, a few years before I had my record deal. And I was so nervous to go up to her. I saw her at the Edmonton Folk Festival. I had my opportunity. I thought, I'm going to walk up and say hi. She couldn't have been kinder. And she was riding a pretty big wave at that time. And she just was like, oh, you play guitar. Are you doing doing something here at the festival? I'm like, oh, I'm just on a little B stage. She goes, that's awesome. Good for you. And I just, she could have brushed me off like, yeah, whatever. Um, But you know, for the most part, you're right, Caitlin, the people that really are authentically doing well in their career are pretty cool. Um, you're listening to the Jan Arden Con, con-, con- artist. <laughs> one more time, one I more time. I didn't past. That's how I spoke to uh, Bob Dylan. <laughs> listening to the Con Arden Don't go away. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Jan Arden Podcast. We're talking about live music, live shows. Um... My God, I didn't go to a movie for 20 months. I used to go to movies every week. I was going, sure. I'm the person that would go by myself to a matinee. I'd leave Mitty at home and go see a movie. On the mm. road, I always went and saw movies. But anyways, we're talking about going to live shows because I am on tour right now. Um, Caitlin, your last, you, you, your concert pre-COVID was Celine Dion. Yes. And it was so good. Vegas? No, she was here in Toronto oh. and she came to Scotiabank Arena and it was amazing. And the fashion and her energy and her voice and her stage presence, like we were saying, you know, about those consummate professionals like James Taylor, like people who've been doing this for a long time. And she really has that. And she gives so much to the audience. Like she tells a little story and um, she just, she feels like that wacky aunt that you want to sit next to at Christmas dinner, you know? Yeah, she like, and it's the French accent too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I cried for sure. This is like I loved, I loved her, and then she, and then I became like kind of too cool for Celine for a while there when I was like a teen, you know, and like in my twenties, and then I came back to her because I realized how much I loved her when I was growing up. And um, I was like, what have I been doing? I've been denying myself the joy of Celine Dion for all my cool years. This is stupid. And uh, she's such a great show. Whether you like adult contemporary pop music or not, Celine Dion 
and I've seen her, I'm going to say conservatively 15 times. Mm. Whenever in Vegas, that whole residency, I would, I would go see her. Um, I remember seeing her a couple of times in a week because I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a, a ticket. I'm going to go anyway. It's, yeah, it, why not? It's 60 bucks. I'm going to go. But it's the best. She's one of the best live singers I've ever heard in my life. Uh, she's, she's so pitch perfect that you sit there and you can't quite believe it. And I think her dedication to her craft there's mm-hmm. lots of rumors, you know, that people have heard over the years, but she really doesn't speak much on show days. She's very quiet. She'll whisper. And it's true. Speaking is much harder on your voice than talking is. But I'm, uh, I really hope she gets well. We've spoken about this on our show before, um, just that she's really having serious health issues with mm-hmm. spasms and things like that. She's postponed all her shows now they've folded into 2023. And, uh, it's not. I really hope they figure it out. It's 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 an impossible thing to sing through. Uh, but I I don't. I just have never heard anybody better. And I will put Michael Bublé in that category on the male side of things, of the best live vocal I've ever heard in my life. You shut your eyes and you cannot believe it is a real persons making that sound um it's just i I just love it i love live music so much i've been dragged to things i i didn't own a record i didn't know who they were um all these things Mm -hmm. and i leave they've won me over i'm just like i love this who did you bring out on stage last night billy name's billy lowry unreal and billy if I believe her Instagram is B I L L I A and Billy Ann. Yeah. She's 15 years old. She lives in this area here in the Toronto area. She did a cover of Simply the Best last night, but mm-hmm. it went viral on on TikTok and on her Instagram. I stumbled across her on Instagram. Somebody sort of pointed me in that direction. I sent her a DM, as you do. I'm like, listen, I don't know what you're doing in the next couple of weeks, but would you like to come and sing a song at one of my shows? And I said, pick one that's close to you. And she picked Massey Hall and I'm like, good for you. Well played. Yeah, you did it. And, uh, but she is, she's so wonderful. And I love being able to give people, artists like her, an opportunity because I was certainly given so many opportunities over the years. Yeah. There. And I think people were shocked when she opened her mouth. I was. That's always a fun moment, you know, when you, you see someone and then they start to sing and you're like, oh my gosh, what is this voice coming out of this person? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it feels like there are a few things that make me go like, oh, like maybe I should, you know, really get in there and, and study <laughs> like organized religion. Because <laughs> sometimes I, I see people, like you see people just sing and open in their mouth and you're like that's a that's a god-given gift like i don't really even know what that means in the context of someone who's agnostic but it feels like something otherworldly almost yeah i don't think you're wrong about that i think whether you believe in a guy sitting on a throne you know casting out punishment and reward i think there's something to the universe that's quite magical to entertain Without the dogma of organized religion, without mm-hmm. the the 
the horrendous actions of human organized religion. There's a real special, I guess, call it spirituality, but I mm-hmm. think is some kind of divine grace that people are given. I mean, you, you think of talents like Mozart at six years old, and his dad was in music as well, so obviously he, he was in a musical household and had access to a piano, blah, 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 blah. But he wrote a freaking like a, 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 a little masterpiece at six mm. and caught yeah. the attention of all the people. This was, would have been, you know, 1740 or whatever the hell. But I, I think about the divinity in that it's, it is a gift. I mean, the stuff that you see with young children playing violins at three, four, five years old that are playing pieces that are so complicated. So yeah, you, you, and the thing about a human voice is that it is unto itself its own thing. There's nobody else mm-hmm. that sounds like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, yes. and some artists, you know, and you, you hear them and you're like, a lot of this is delivery. Maybe they don't have the best voice or it's style or it's songwriting or it's, it's production or whatever. Um, but when there are the artists like Celine Dion who just, they open their mouth and you're like, I, time has stopped right now. Um, that is really something special. And my next concert that I'm supposed to see is in September and I've never seen him before. Elton John. Caitlin, so (laughs) I can't even tell you what a treat it is to look at somebody, and he will probably do a three-hour show. Oh, good to know. After hit, after hit, uh, you keep sitting there and you're going, "Oh my god, yeah! Oh hell yeah! Oh Mm -hmm. that one!" And and then he does those classics of Norma Jean or Crocodile Rock or Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I mean, I know everyone. When you look at an artist like that that has been the fabric of billions of people's lives all over the planet. It's pretty overwhelming. I'm, it's pretty cool that those iconic, there's a few of them still performing. Yeah. You know, cause Tina Turner has stopped now. Rod Stewart just canceled his tour because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So he was supposed to be out and they just had too many crew down and too many things uh, going on. But yeah, those, those guys like Leonard Cohen's gone. Um, Whitney Houston passed away. Prince passed away. Uh, Bowie passed away, you know, George Michael. There's so many iconic oh God. artists yeah. that are gone. So to yeah. see Elton yeah. John, boy, if you have a chance to go see him, go. I have to, like, I was like, I have to start seeing some of these legacy artists yep. because of exactly what you just said. You don't know how long you have them for. I never saw Prince. I did talk to him on the phone once. Oh, um, that's cool. He, you know how he loves, he's kind of a like whimsical figure and he loves to surprise people. He yes. loves a surprise. Like he would just show up at things unannounced and he would just walk on stage and he just made these cameos. So he was promoting an album and this was when I was working as an associate producer. So behind the scenes on the Chum Morning Show and I answered the phones. And so he was supposed to be doing an interview with us and we knew he was going to call into the show. He was in Toronto. He had a home here. And what had happened was normally someone calls for him. Like it's a PR person. They put you through, he talks and then they hang up. He... I answered the phone, like the high, like chum control room. And it was his voice. And he was like, hello. And I was like, oh my God. And I just was like, is this like, oh my God, is this, are you, is this, yeah, are you, you, is this Prince? And he was, he kind of like, you could, you know, you can hear someone smiling. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, it's me. And I was like, this is why you do this because it brings the person who answers the phone so much joy. And then they tell the story and then it contributes to the, like the mystery and the fun yeah, it, he's he's so fun. He was he really. I just was so impressed by that because that's a decision, right, to do yep. that. Yeah, and it's yeah. an kindness. 
Mm-hmm, it is. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. I guess this is a musical episode today. Don't go away. Hello, this is the Jan Arden Podcast. We've somehow wound our way today into celebrity encounters, and I'm sure people have a lot to say about those. Um, Adam, we yeah. have a you know, heard from your celebrity encounter. Let's go back in time, 1996, after the Rolling Stones concert. You're at Planet Hollywood, and you see... I see John Ritter from Three's Company. Damn it. And I grew up, I've seen every episode. I love that show as a kid. I probably watched it in reruns. Not recently, but like that was my show growing up. And I saw him. I'm like, I got to say hi to this guy. I, I just have to. And I, <laughs> and I walked up to him, and I he was talking to someone. I said... Mr. Ritter, I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm a big fan. I watched you on Three's Company, blah, blah, blah. And he was so nice. Like, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And shook my hand. And he was just, he gave me that moment. And it was just so nice. And that was like not a radio station encounter. No, it says so much about their character. Uh, You know, I've spent so much time with Rick Mercer over the years. and, And he's very, very big. Like, the guy can't walk down the street. Trust me, I've been around him enough to know, like, he he can't do it. But oh, wow. it, he could have food in his mouth. He could have a booger in his nose. He, he <laughs> could, whatever. People come up to him, like, for pictures. And he's like, no problem. He never says so not. Nice. He's just always extremely kind and nice. So that's nice to know. And, and um, uh, but, but we still, we hear so many nightmare stories. So what do, what do you, what's your take on that, Caitlin? We hear so many stories of people misbehaving. Um, I know Justin Bieber went through a few years of yeah. this craziness that, you know, him stunting in a car or, or misbehaving. Like the guy- They had footage of him, like, peeing in, like, a, a yeah. mop bucket backstage and stuff, and he, like, egged someone's house with uh, some some entourage member named, like, Lil Pizza or something. It was just, you know, it was a ridiculous time in his life. I feel bad for him, though, because, honestly, if you handed me at that young age, all that money and all that power and all that fame, it would make my brain break. And then you give everyone a camera phone and they film your every interaction and then they sell it. And then you're being hunted everywhere you go. And it's not to say that like they didn't genuinely capture him sometimes doing bad stuff, but at that age, I don't know, people all behave a bit wonky. And so at internet, when I was 16, 17, 18, I peed garbage can outside the ranchman's club with my (laughs) friends. Yeah. And if that had been on camp, we were loaded. Yeah. And uh, sorry that I just told people that, but it's true. And and so none of us are exempt from behavior. I mean, mm-hmm. think back, folks. But yeah. you still hear, I mean, I've seen some pretty stupid things. I'm not going to name names, but there was a very, she did really well in Canada for, you know, a long time. She was kind of riding the wave doing Letterman and Leno and all these shows. And you don't hear much of her anymore. But I just remember her being at this festival and she was in her dressing room and, and, and they had put the wrong waters in her trailer and she was chucking them out the window. And I could hear her yelling, like just yelling, like this is, this isn't, this is not my rider or something like that. So you, you hear lots of stories like that. And then, but I saw that with my own eyes, but I, you know, you start thinking about what is real and what isn't real? I mean, for example, Alan DeGeneres had a really bad run, you know, the last year with the internet and people coming forward with stories about her bad behavior. And she was known as the 
queen of nice, right? Right. That's also, to me, a problematic title to have because then you can't have any discrepancy from that without everyone paying attention to it and being like, you're supposed to be nice all the time. You're supposed to wake up and like poop rainbows. And I was like, <laughs> she's an edgy comedian. She's an edgy stand-up. Yeah. And her her life has been complicated. She hasn't had an easy go of it. And so there's going to be some stuff there. And nobody can maintain that all the time. Now, I can't attest for who she is as a person, but I saw her on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, which is a show I love, with Jerry Seinfeld. And he doesn't come across as the nicest guy on that show all the time. And she came across as a complex person. And I thought to myself, you know, when this whole show is over, like her TV show, I'd love for her to like not be dancing and, you know, dunking people <laughs> into water tanks. I'd like to see edgy stand-up Ellen because I think that's hiding in there. And she's denied it for a long time. And I feel like it has to come out of it because yes. stand-ups, it's a different breed. Like I met Bill Burr, nicest guy in the world. But I was very intimidated because I interviewed him for a movie and his publicist because he was coming to Toronto for Just for Laughs. And she said, do you want to get tickets? Thank you so much for doing the interview. I was like, yeah. Usually they kind of just give you random tickets. I was front row. I, that's I'm, crazy. That's amazing. It's crazy. It was wait. It was very nice. And then, um, and then she said afterwards, hey, do you want to meet him backstage? And I was like, I almost wanted to say no because I revere him so much. And then, and I was, and he's kind of scary. And so I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> and I was with my girlfriend. And so she brings us backstage and he's hanging out in his dressing room with all of his friends. It's not before the show meet and greets. This is after, like he thinks he's done. And so then he was so nice and he was like, hey, and it's like all of his friends. And I was like, hi, I did an interview with you. It was so great. Thank you. I love the show so much. Like I'm a huge fan. And he's like, well, do you want to get a photo? And I was like, oh, you don't really have to bother with that. <laughs> and he's like, you're not coming backstage without asking for an effing photo. Like, come on. And he was like, get a photo. And he like insists, like puts his arm out, like that's oh, wow. whatever. And uh, he's like, and I was leaving and he's like, you want a beer for the road or anything? Because he has like a huge bucket of beer with all of his friends sitting there. And I was like, no, I'm okay. And oh, wow. That's <laughs> like, so ran cool. out of there. I love Bill Burr. He's hilarious. He was great. Mark Maron's been on the show. He was fantastic. Will or Will uh, Will Arnett, one of the nicest guys you've ever heard. And talk about a God-given voice. Like earlier, we're saying Celine yes. Dion has the singing voice. When a microphone gets in front of him and it turns on and he starts talking, you're just like, this is another level of voice. Like his voice is incredible. I mean, it's it's it is comforting to know that people can rise up and step into themselves, even if they've had a bad reputation. Going back to Justin Bieber, who I am a fan of, by the way. I've always liked his music. I think he's really, really talented. Um, he really seems to have redeemed himself. I mean, say what you will about being a born-again Christian. Um, you know, he's married. He seems to have really found a way to pay it forward. I mean, he always seems to be doing good things for people and participating in his community. And yeah. he often will thank the public by, thank you for letting me grow up. Yeah. Thank you for letting me redeem himself. I've heard him in many interviews talk about that. And he does talk about Jesus, which is fine. Like whatever mm. it is that gives you strength, that helps you stand a little taller and do the work. Because I really think this is a guy that in 20 years, when all his contemporaries have gone, fallen by the wayside because their audiences outgrew them and there's just no... I think Justin will be making music. I think he'll be one of those guys that grows in that that will have a 50-year career. I really think he will. And this makes me remember too thinking of, you know, the Canadian kind of like male singer-songwriters um Sean Mendes is so talented and he's My so goodness. nice. 
And he, this, you know, it's a miracle, like, or a great team, but there's never been a negative story about him. I don't think in the press I've almost seen ever. No. And I, I also did an interview with him. I think it was around promoting, I think it was his second album. And um, it was like one of those ones where you're doing a junket at a hotel. So you go yep. into the hotel suite and they have cameras and everything. And he's the sweetest person in the whole world. And he gives you a lot. And you know, when you do an interview with someone and they're that big of a star, they don't have to do that. They can be very standoffish and give you nothing. Yeah, and they've he been was asking the same questions all day too. I'm like, I feel like I want to go in there and be like, I know you hate this. Sorry. But he was really, <laughs> really good and so kind. And he gives everyone a big hug and he looks like a Disney prince. And I just was like, yeah. this is, this is crazy that you're this nice. And then you also sing like that. And you're just, you're just so affable. And I was just very overwhelmingly now that I think back, it's like all positive experiences with celebrities, to be honest with you. You know, when you live in a, in a place of grace and when you come at your life really appreciating what you have. I think, I just think it's such an important thing for young people to remember. You know, a lot of people, when you ask them about music now, they'll say they want to be famous. And it, it's always disconcerting to me because I'm thinking, what do you think is inside of that fame? Because, you know, if you do the work and if you really follow your passion, you know, that could very well be a side effect of the work that you do is being known, ha having people follow you on social media, all those things, having come to see you sing or, you know, read your books or whatever. Um, I just, he's inspiring to me because he's done the work and I don't think he ever, I don't think that was ever his plan to be famous. So it, it you really, I don't know, you have to be so mindful about what you're goal is um and what you think being famous is because it's it, it isn't it isn't what you think anyway i'm glad that we got a chance to talk about music live music um thank you for listening to the podcast we appreciate it week after week um subscribe because it'll show up for you we will see you next time or hear you next time you're listening to jen art podcast totally do This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.